He's a native Texan, president of the Fredericksburg Tea Party, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is the Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on a beautiful morning in the Texas Hill Country. And, uh, man, I'm telling you what, we got all kinds of uh, news uh, today to bring to you. We have some, excuse me, we have some, uh, we have some not so good news, and uh, we have some news that um, is very good. Uh, we've got a couple of live call-ins today, um, and uh, we're going to give you the report on the um, the trial that we've been waiting since uh, November of 19. Um, actually, it was a little after that, but the um, in November 2019 election where we saw all kinds of bizarre uh, things happening um, at Central Count, um, all of that trial was yesterday. And um, I will tell you the results of that and why I think it is um, not horrible news. Um, it's certainly not great news, but there is a lot of, um, I believe that there is a lot of positive results out of that. And so we're going to talk about that in the uh, second quarter. The third quarter, of course, on Tuesday is with Pastor Greg, and we have an interesting topic today. Um, and uh, in the fourth quarter today, we're going to have uh, my friend Monica is going to be calling in and talking about, I, I'm listen, I'm going to call it a massive victory at the Fredericksburg School Board meeting last night. Um, I, I think this may be the first real payoff that uh, with, the, with the moms that have been uh, engaged over in Fredericksburg, I think the success they were able to show last night. Uh, I think you're going to be real excited about that. And so Monica is uh, going to come on and tell us about that at the end of today's program. So we've got a lot of, we got a packed program for you today. Let's get to the calendar. First of all, let's see, I'm all rearranged here. Let's see, here we go. This Thursday, three things happening this Thursday. And, uh, I can only be in two of them, so that's the, that's the best I can do is hit two of them. But on Thursday, this coming Thursday, um, let's see, if you're in the canning class, that starts this Thursday at 10, you must, have, you must already have been signed up, and I am signed up, and I'm looking forward to that. And uh, then on uh, at 11.30 at Buzzy's Barbecue on this Thursday from 11.30 to 1.00, uh, Chip Roy is uh, going to be at Buzzy's Barbecue. So that's this Thursday from 1130 to 1. And uh, here's a chance for you to visit with, ask questions, get engaged with your congressman, <clears throat> Chip Roy. And then Thursday night, also the third event for Thursday, the regular meeting of the Fredericksburg Tea Party. Now, this is the last meeting of the year that is open to the public. All right. We have a November meeting, but it's for uh, members in good standing only. It's a very special meeting. We lock the doors and go through all of our secret rituals 
and uh, for members only. So uh, that is uh, that is the November meeting, but October is still open to the public, and uh, it is the this Thursday. And uh, the we the, let's see, we serve dinner around six o'clock, so that's nice and easy. It's six o'clock for a light dinner. We suggest a donation of about seven dollars. Uh, to pay for the meal and our good friend rex williams who is a caterer here in the hill country has uh, been donating his labors uh to feed our members our our uh, attendees at our regular meetings and uh he puts in a bunch of labor for nothing and uh and we uh we help with the groceries but honestly i think rex maybe even eats some of these uh, groceries so um that is uh, this Thursday night at St. Joseph's Hall, dinner at 6. We start the meeting promptly at 6.30, and we've got a double header for you. And this is an important one. Now, there's lots of things going to be going on in the next legislative session, hopefully around education. And so we have two education experts who are going to be visiting with us at this Thursday night meeting and uh, Michael Barba is with the uh, Texas Public Policy Foundation. He is the K-12 through education policy director and what uh, texas public policy foundation does is um they uh, they do they do policy they're they're a lot like the tea party um the tea party is not about party we're about policy and so the texas public policy foundation that's what they're about and so we get ideas good ideas good things that have been thought out that have been worked over uh, through uh, with the with the uh, pros in the field, you know those guys with uh, from out of town with a briefcase. Those we we call them experts, and uh, so there's where a lot of good ideas come. And uh, actually, there's been some bad ideas come from them, but uh, it got some, a lot of good ideas. So Michael Barba is uh, the education policy director, and he's going to talk to us about uh, possible legislation coming up in the next session and uh, what that legislation means. Stephen Housley will also be there. He is with the Texas Homeschool Coalition. So if you're ready to completely give it up on government schools, um, <clears throat> yeah, if you're ready to completely give it up on government schools, um, Stephen Housley will be there to show you and help you and guide you into what it takes to become a homeschooler. All right, Sunday the 16th. Uh, the Texas Nationalist Movement is going to be at uh, Kyle Biederman's Ace Hardware in Fredericksburg from noon to four this coming Sunday, a Q&A if you have any questions for TNM. Um, and then on Monday, and I'll give you more details on the week, but Monday the 17th, the um, Hill Country Patriots, uh, the, no, I'm sorry, the Kerr County Patriots, Kerr County Patriots will be um, having their regular meeting, and so I will bring you more information on that. That is uh, 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 next Monday night. So before we go out and take a short break here, um, let me give you a little bit of, um, um, let's see, give you a little bit of a, a Ben Franklin here. Um, visit your aunt, but not every day, and call at your brother's, but not every night. So uh, there you go. Ben Franklin saying, keeping up those family relations, but don't overwhelm them. And uh, so there you go from Ben Franklin, folks. We're going to take a short break, and uh, we will be right back, and I will give you uh, my take on the 
the results of the um, uh, trial yesterday in Fredericksburg. So y'all stay tuned, please. Bringing you the newsmakers, Matt Long. All right, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. Um, so where to get started? Uh, the trial, give you a little bit of background in case you weren't too sure. But the um, in November of 2019, the Fredericksburg City had a an election the that uh, had to do with, it was a local election. On it was the fluoridation um, attempt to stop the fluoridation of uh, water in Fredericksburg, a campaign carried very carried out very well by Jeanette Hormuth. Uh, she did a great job of that campaign and got out quite a bit of information for that. November comes, we have the election, and um, during uh, uh, during a central count, where a number of people were present. Um, in Central Count watching, we started. they started running into problems. First of all, they were restricted in the room where they could see. And so if you remember all the poll watcher issues we had, um, we had that in Fredericksburg as well. And then you've, if you've listened to anything, any of my programs or paid any attention, unless you're brand new, you probably know that out of those 2,000 ballots that were cast, that about 407 of them, 406 of them, roughly 400 of them did not have a judge's signature, and by Texas law, those should be all excluded and not counted. So to me and to those of us who were, in, uh, who were uh, paying attention to the law and been trained as poll watchers, we made quite a fuss over that and got quite a bit of criticism for even bothering uh, to make a fuss out of it. And so, in the end, when it came to a recount, the decision uh, the uh, went to the recount, and again, the poll watchers went down there, and again, the 400-plus ballots were counted, which should not have been counted. Um, there was uh, it just very. There were some other abnormalities. You can uh, get the trial transcript, I'm sure. But uh, at the end of the day, there were lots and lots of abnormalities. And so a lawsuit then was uh, uh, considered about the best thing that could be done. And so Jeanette Hormuth and Jerry Farley brought a lawsuit against the city and the mayor of Langerhans and in it uh, laid out what they think was wrong with that um, election, including the 400 ballots. In other words, about 20% of the ballots cast um, did not have a chain of custody, no judges' signatures on them, but were counted anyway. And um, so they thought that uh, the, the best way to do this was to bring a lawsuit, and so they did. And because of COVID and all kinds of other excuses, we did not get to hear this lawsuit until yesterday. So it's 22. These offenses occurred in 19. So how did the lawsuit go yesterday? Well, first of all, the judgment went against Jeanette and Hormuth and in favor of Jeanette and Jerry and in favor of the city. Now, I want to, at, at first, that was a big, uh, that's a big letdown, um, obviously. I think that uh, Jeanette has uh, put so much of her life into this now. Um, I think we, first of all, special prayers for Jeanette. All right, please, you guys get Jeanette 
on your prayer list, cover her, because this has been a rough, rough, rough time um, being harassed by the newspaper, just uh, all kinds of issues, uh, very little support from uh, the Republican Party, very little support from many people in town. Most people wanted her just to shut up and go away. You lost. Get out of here. Go away. So they ruled against us, and you're going, well, well, how could they do that? You know, if you've... Um, if you were at the last Fredericksburg Tea Party meeting, I had the microphone and I gave an impassioned speech in front of, in front of, I think about 70 or 80 people that night. Uh, this was our September meeting. Um, and I was, uh, not quite frothing at the mouth, but close to it. But I was so convinced that there was no judge, no way, no how any judge could possibly accept the results of this election with the number of inconsistencies that were found um, in that election and proven. Just uh, it, they were there. It, it, it wasn't like, you know, maybe. The, it, when you have 400 plus um, ballots that were. Not legally legal ballots, according to Texas law, to have them counted. So, what happens in the trial yesterday? Well, we found out a couple of things. First of all, our judge, who was the the um, the the election judge, who took the stand, um, <clears throat> knew that those uh, ballots were no good. But rather than take responsibility for those, he said, "Well." Let's see if we can get these past the uh, Secretary of State. So our this was all in the trial, and you can uh, go check the transcripts out. And so the uh, election judge called the Secretary of State. We do not know what was said. I would love to have a copy of that conversation. In fact, maybe someone out there can do a public information request for the conversation between Gillespie County officials and the Secretary of State on that uh, November election night. Because what came out of that conversation, that none of us know the content of that conversation, was a very short email from the Secretary of State giving permission to our local judge to uh, count those um, ballots that uh, Texas law shouldn't be counted. Um, so they uh, so he got out of his, got his, uh, our local election judge, got a get-out-of-jail-free card, and passed on the blame to the Secretary of State. So now, the Secretary of State, um, and I'm going to pull up some articles on this and go into this a little bit deeper, but we have had issues with the Secretary of State and the election uh, division giving waivers, giving waivers to certain counties and certain areas to um, allow them to do things outside of the law for whatever reason, outside of the statutes, let's put it that way. And uh, we've been trying to figure out and trying to come up with a way, I say we, um, those of us on the right, there are people who have been trying to um, figure out how to make these the Secretary of State's uh, office not give waivers. In other words, we pass laws, the legislature passes laws, and then when the, um, when the, um, um, then when the uh, Secretary of State on election night, and they've got all those lawyers and clerks and what have you up there for the voter, uh, for the call-in line, and then they just kind of give away uh, waivers regularly. That's a real issue. That, that's a real issue. 
So that um, so our county judge is in the clear. Um, the are not our county judge, our election judge Terry uh, Terry Hamilton in the clear. He had permission from the Secretary of State to do what he did. So he's uh, Terry Hamilton is in the clear on that. Here's why I think that uh, there were that this the results of this trial were good. First of all, we now have it on record legal record that that election was all kinds of jacked up. We have all the evidence. We have confessions from the stand that things were done improperly, that they knew they had made mistakes. We got all that is now a public record. So the poll watchers are vindicated in this. The poll watchers in this work 100% correct and proper to point out that many, many mistakes were being made. That came forward in the trial. Now you're waiting, now you're waiting and you're wondering, so why then did the judge go the other way? And here's where I I really get bothered. During the final, during the uh, final arguments, the uh, judge starts asking for some numbers. He says, now, wait a minute, let's see. And I'm not quoting him, but that's a matter of record, and you can go find out if I'm getting it close enough. I do not have the quote in front of me. But the idea of what he said was, hmm, let me look at those numbers. So these were the number of ballots cast, and uh, if you uh, toss out those 407 uh, ballots and maybe a couple more that were missing, let's now take a look at the election. Oh, yeah, that wouldn't have passed anyway. So the message that I got when I left there was that we need to strengthen the law. First of all, I'm going to respect the judge as I expect everyone in my circle to respect the judge, to respect his decision, and respect the court. That's what we demand of everyone in our society is that you respect the decisions of the court. So we have complete and total respect, which means that if this judge felt that he could interpret these laws in a manner that uh, would allow those uh, um, illegitimate ballots to be counted, if he could interpret the law to do that, then then, um, we need to fix the law. We need to strengthen the law so that when we see behavior like this in the future, that we have a law that is stronger and has more teeth in it, and has the ability to um, to cover all of that. So, folks, um, I'm out of time right now to talk about that judgment yesterday, and um, we're going to be hearing some more comments on it. Um, but uh, right now, we got all kinds of things to get to, including Pastor Greg. So I'm going to step out of here, and uh, we'll be right back in a minute or two with uh, Pastor Greg. Focused like a laser beam on Texas politics, Matt Long.
information at www.chosengenerationradio.com. And welcome back to the program. Great to have you with me. Thanks so much for being here. I know you have a choice in where you can listen each and every day, and I thank you for keeping it tuned here to Children Generation Radio. I'm very excited to join Hill Country Patriot Radio and the Matt Long Show, as we do each and every Tuesday here. Matt, welcome aboard. Great to have you with me. Thank you, sir. Always happy to be here on uh, Tuesdays with you. And, of course, last Tuesday I was trying to figure out what in the world to do about uh, about um, uh, getting you on the air, and I couldn't do it. And uh, I was pushing every button on the board, so I'm glad we got it figured out today. And I haven't got a text yet that we have dead air, so I think we're in good shape. Hey, I like it. I like it. Well, and it's always nice to get the feedback from uh, from our listeners when they say, "Hey, uh, I'm not hearing you." <laughs> yeah, that so, is uh, we, we, <laughs> that helps. I mean, it's, you don't want to hear that. Let me let me let me clarify that. You don't want to hear them say, "Hey, I, I don't hear anything." Uh, but it's it's nice uh, when they let you know that, so you're not sitting there going. Uh, boy, that was a great segment we just did, and nobody heard it. <laughs> no, and yeah. nobody heard a word. So I, I've got a question for you, and uh, we have yes, we have uh, been we've addressed this in a number of different ways um, over the couple of years that you and I have uh, come together on Tuesdays or whatever day it was. Um, but it seems to be rearing its ugly head, and maybe even a little bit stronger now. And I heard this caller to uh, Glenn Beck. Everybody knows I'm a big Glenn Beck fan, and I was listening to Glenn on Friday. And um, we had um, we had um, the um, uh, he had a, a caller call in, and he said, "You know, uh, um, uh, he said my wife has uh, goes to a lot of these uh, music uh, uh, Christian music events and." And uh, is really into this new, um, uh, I call it new, but into the music videos, the Christian music videos, and, and the big worship scene that uh, is, is really exploding now. And she said that the Christians now, there is a tendency and a movement among Christian groups to say, look, we've got all the prophecies are coming true, things are happening, the Lord is coming here in the next day or two, and so therefore, um, you know, all we need to do is hunker down and wait for Jesus to come, and that really there's no reason to get engaged in any, you know, anything at the school or your county or your city level, because, you know, Jesus is going to be here any minute now, and uh, so there's no point. Um, in in being engaged, um, t- what's your get? I'm just going to give you the floor, Pastor Greg. Take off on that. Sure. Well, you know it's interesting when uh, I got to Bandera in 2011, and uh, and and God gave us some some really uh, you know neat favor with uh, with government entities. I, I started doing the invocation for city council and county commissioners and so on. And I wanted to do a concert up here, uh, a Christian concert. And so I started kind of, you know, talking that around. And at the time I had met Mike Novak years ago, who was then the CEO of K-Love. And so I reached out to Mike and I said, Hey, I'd really like to do this concert, you know, here. And he said, well, talk to our folks in San Antonio and so on. And in that conversation, we were talking about, you know, the, the music markets. 
And he said, because uh, the other thing was, is, is that not long after that, I'd reached out to him about my chosen generation radio show. And I remembered him sharing with me that San Antonio was the, the top market for Caleb in the country. Hmm. And what I mean by that is, is that Caleb, I believe at the time was like the number three station in, in the San Antonio market. And that was the highest that they were anywhere else. And they weren't that high anywhere else in any of the big cities, anywhere in the nation as they were in San Antonio. And I talked to some grassroots leaders about that. And uh, cause I was again, talking about my show and what I was trying to do with, you know, making people aware. And they, I, we were in the ALAC fight back then. If you remember that mm-hmm. the pastor mm-hmm. protection bill and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was told by one of the grassroots leaders down in San Antonio, they said, look, the people down here are into the music scene, but they're not into the political scene. And they don't see a correlation between the two. Mm. They, they, they are, uh, they're, they're happy to just worship God and worship and worship. But when it comes to, you know, impacting the city, and of course, back then, remember, you had uh, the mayor was Julio, whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you one know, of the one, twins, one of the, one the Castro brothers, right? twins. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one, yeah. Right. Exactly. So, you know, he was the mayor. They were they were heavily pushing the LGBTQ stuff back then. Uh, you know, they were pushing the abortion. I mean, I mean, the stuff they were pushing in San Antonio, and it's still a very liberal minded city. And they, the Castro's put that in place. Um, and it's because the church, aside from maybe, you know, uh, John Hagee's church as an example, but for the most part, you know, Max Lucado's church. And I know you've had, you know, a lot of association with that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at that time, Max Lucado uh, was like, you know what? We don't get involved in that. We don't get involved in politics. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't talk about any of those kinds of things. Um, and and the 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 problem with that is is that Jesus gave us a parable about talents, mm-hmm. and he he talked about the ten, the five, and the one. And he also talked about the five and the three and the one. He, he talked about the talents twice. Mm-hmm. But in both instances, when he talked about the guy with the one talent, his excuse was always, well, you know, we don't know your ways. Your ways are different than our ways. You reap where you don't sow. You know, all these kinds of excuses, excuses, excuses. That is in large part the church's deal. Mm. So often you hear the same thing, the same churches that are saying, well, we're waiting for God to come back and clean up the mess, Mm -hmm. are the same ones that will tell you when you ask tough or difficult questions, well, we really can't understand the mind of God. Mm Mm. And 
and what happens to that person, Matt, that, that, you know, what does the master tell that person? He takes from them their one talent and he casts them into the place where there's that gnashing of teeth. You know, it's, it is, um, one of the, uh, the things I see in this, and you mentioned that we've got the talents, but we are, there's nowhere in the new Testament that I can find any reference, whether it be Jesus or, or Paul or any of the other writers in the New Testament, where they say, all right, it's, uh, um, when these uh, times come, uh, curl up in a ball and uh, wait for Jesus to come. It's very interesting that, uh, that he tells you about putting the armor on. We hear Paul talking about the armor and, and, and the sword and the fight and all of that, and yet nowhere in there does it say, okay, at this point, surrender. All right, it, it, nowhere in there it says that. We're, we're to keep up the fight into the grave. Um, and I guess the other, the, the other point that I, think I would, um, that I think I would like to make, if it will come back into my brain, is that, um, yeah, it just left my brain and that's it. Um, but, yeah, there's right, – well, let me so – go, go ahead. Take it back. Let me jump in and – yeah, let me no, – no, no, no. Well, let me jump in and, 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 and just add to that. Let, let's remember something, and you and I talked about this last night, and you made, you made reference to this. They, they were expecting Jesus to return very quickly. That's it. That's they what I was trying to – Yeah, they were surprised that he hadn't yet come back. Mm-hmm. And bear in mind what they were doing while they were waiting for him to come back. Remember that Peter and John were taken and put in prison for preaching Christ. Right. Remember that every single one of them, Stephen was stoned to death for preaching Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay? They, they, they went to the Romans. John the Baptist was beheaded because he challenged King Herod and his immoral acts. Mm. So yeah. let's, care, let's bear in mind the example that we have. Jesus didn't say to John the Baptist, oh, you shouldn't do that because he's a magistrate. You shouldn't say anything. Right. I, Jesus never said that. Right. He had every opportunity, and he never said it. In fact, he challenged the leadership so much so that the leaders of, of the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, who, who, who argued about a lot of things, agreed on one thing, and that one thing was, we've got to get rid of this Jesus guy. Mm. We've got to, we have got to end this Jesus guy. He needs to go away because he's a threat to our power, our political power, and our influence with the Romans. The Romans are going to take away our position and our power. That's one of the things that's quoted in Scripture that they actually said, and then they began what they did. And I know we're going to run right up to our time, and you've got a guest coming on, and we got to get off. But, folks, here, my, my final word to you is this. Don't buy into the idea that the church should not be engaged in influencing our culture. You have a mandate from God. Get out there and get after it. Man, couldn't I couldn't have said it any better. That's why we get you on here every Tuesday Pastor Greg, thank you so very, very much, and uh, we love you lots here in the Hill Country, and uh, we'll visit again next week. Sounds great. Love you guys, too. Talk uh, to you later. God bless. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right, there we go uh, from Pastor Greg, and we're going to take a short break, and uh, when we get back, hopefully we'll have Monica on the line if I can figure out how to push all the buttons. Y'all stay tuned. 
He owns the largest collection of do-rags in Gillespie County. He's Matt Long. All right, we are back. By the way, folks, you know you can get this program... uh, you can get this program on podcasts every day. So if anybody was concerned or wanted to hear about my uh, take on the um, judgment yesterday that uh, we were not quite happy with, but um, are going to take the good out of it that we can and move forward. And and now that we know we need to um, really uh, address our laws in the next legislative session, that's what we're going to do. And uh, so um, these uh, recordings are available on uh, hillcountrypatriot.com, hillcountrypatriot.com for about a week. And then after that, I post them up onto the, I post them up onto uh, Spotify, Apple podcasts, all kinds of different places. And uh, they're available there forever and ever, and you can download them. And so if you didn't like what I said about the uh, judgment or anything like that or want to pass that on, uh, those are all available there. Just search for The Matt Long Show. And got some good news. My website, thematlongshow.com, is real close to getting up. It's now in my hands. Uh, the webmaster, Mr. Roger Hall of Full Fusion, is uh, waiting for me now. He's got everything. I've got the trial version up. It looks great. I can see it, but you can't. Um, but I got to fill in some blanks. And so the mattlongshow.com uh, website is going to be up soon. So be looking for that. And it's going to have all kinds of things on it. It's going to have the calendars. It's going to have a way for you to get in touch with me. Um, we've got all kinds of plans for that website, and I'm really excited about it. So, um, School board, getting engaged at the local level is so very, very important. And so the school board meeting, uh, the school board um, meets uh, once a month. This is Fredericksburg Independent School District School Board. And um, they meet every month. And they um, th- there has been a number of parents, um, including the caller I think we have on the line here, who have been standing up to the school board, and we had a little bit of a victory last night. So hold on. I'm going to see if we can get Monica onto the phone. Monica, we are live on the air. Is this Monica? This is Monica. How are you? I am good. It is good to hear from you. So um, um, I, basically all I've said is we got some good news, and uh, it's due to parental engagement and citizen engagement up at the school board. So would you tell us, give us a, 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 a review of what happened last night. Just start with what we were, the, the school board was prepared to vote on something and then they tabled it. So just uh, start with what they were prepared to vote on. Well, they had a consideration for approval to bring in communities and schools um, as a, a third party vendor at the school. Uh, they wanted to give them nearly uh, $100,000, I believe it's like $93,569 for two school counselors, um, which is interesting because the contract didn't call them school counselors, but there was already job um, applications that were uh, a posting that was online that communities and schools had already done prior to board approval. 
Um, and really, they were trying to get communities and schools to have two employees paid for by FISD to provide services to the students in Fredericksburg. Um, according to the contract, um, they are to provide uh, m- many services. Community and schools provide so many services. Uh, and you have to really dig into their national website as well as their uh, chapter websites to understand what they provide. And much of it seems to be beneficial, uh, but there's also quite a bit of counseling, and they have a foundation in diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is what we know as, uh, you know, having these critical race theories and critical sex and gender theories. And even this morning as I dug into what they do and what they believe, they have programs where they do student organizing, in other words, they are, child- they are teaching our children about racial inequities. They're teaching our children basically critical race theory and organizing them and activating them as activists. Um, and so this is something that we brought up to the board because we're really concerned about that. You know, I was so impressed with the, uh, the testimony that... Um, I'm sure you and Tara and others were involved in putting that all together, but you you went through and actually read the contract um, because, you know, folks, that, that kind of information is available. And so we've got really, I guess we could say there's two times kinds of testimony. We could say there's the ones who get up there like me who rant and rave and say, this is wrong, don't do this. And then we've got these guys like... Uh, um, like like Monica and uh, Tara, who give a very reasoned and calm reading of the contract and saying, do you all know what you are actually signing here? I got the impression, and I was there for just a few minutes last night to hear everyone's testimony, I got the impression that the school board members really were not very familiar with that material what and i know this is just a guess but did you think that they were very familiar with it no it doesn't it doesn't sound like many if any of the board members had read the contract as a matter of fact i think the agenda was posted on the school website on thursday without attachment um i believe some parents emailed um possibly the superintendent asking for details on these agenda items um, by Friday, we saw the attachment, so we did get the contract, uh, which is posted on FISD right now. If you go to the board meeting uh, and to the agenda, you'll see the attachment. You can read the contract for yourself. And I have quite a few concerns about the contract, but the three that I was hoping, I'd, you know, that they would ask questions that I could talk about last night, well, the first thing is case management files. So I want parents to understand that when Communities and Schools is working with FISD, these um, two school counselors that they want to hire would be employed by Communities and Schools with money from FISD. FISD in the contract, it says that they will give this money to, to Communities and Schools. Communities and Schools would then hire, and those school counselors would be employed by Communities and Schools, yet they would be working on our campus. Now, there's several problems with that because um, basically parents are have some protections in the education system, but if you have a problem with a teacher or a counselor, we have, you know, the legal ability to file a grievance. 
with the department, you know, with the education department. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have code of ethics that they need to follow that you can find on the Texas Education Agency organiz- you know, uh, website. But if these counselors are employed by a third-party vendor, then parents don't have that same uh, protection. And so now they would kind of basically be on their own to figure out how they could file a grievance against communities and schools if something were to happen. The other problem I have with it is that all of our student case files would be owned by communities and schools. So if your child, if you sign the paper that says, I consent to let my child be a part of the communities and schools program at FISD, they now own your child's files. So now there's files at FISD, data about your child there. Now there's also data at communities and schools. And since they don't have to follow the same laws, education laws, um, basically, if they wanted to, and I can't, you know, I mean, I don't know that we have enough details to go into all of this, but there's laws in the medical community that if the counselors feel that it would be a detriment to their client, meaning your child, your student, to share the information that they know about your child with the parent, then they don't have to. Mm. Um, and so those are some th- those are some things that I'm really really concerned about having this third party vendor at our school. So let me um, another one. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, let me ask you a question on that. Um, if so, if we didn't have this, and uh, a student went to your regular school counselors that we have, and we have several of them um, in each school, and um, is there a law that that um, protects parents that says uh, no matter what the uh, the counselors have to have the parents involved? Yes, you know the the you know we we have laws in education code. Education code is education law, um, and yes, parents you know have, need to consent if their child wants counseling at the school. Uh, at that point, the the code does say that the school. Uh, that if the parent wants those files and wants to see the files and get details, that they, they, they have access to those files, that all changes when it's outside of the education system. Uh, and, and really what we're seeing, that across the nation is that even within the education system, uh, there are parents who are being denied knowing about, you know, about their child. You know, we, we are seeing all these cases around the nation that a child is being counseled into being another gender, and they're hiding it from parents. So, you know, we're concerned about that, but it's even worse when it's a third-party vendor and we don't really have any accountability. And that's even part of the contract on item number 10 is basically saying that GIS, um, you know, is not going to, you know, basically it almost sounds like neither CIS, Communities and Schools, or Fredericksburg ISD are going to be held liable for any problems. So I have questions about that line item number 10 is who's accountable? Who does the parent go to if something mm-hmm. bad happens to a child under their care? Mm. And I think, and, and um, wow. So I was talking with Angela this morning, and she said one of the arguments, she stayed later than I did, and she said one of the arguments that was made was that, uh, oh, yeah, CIS, uh, they also help the poor with clothing and food. Uh, tell me a little bit about that line, and uh, what we have a solution to that already in the Hill Country. So uh, take take that uh, take that argument, Monica, please. Well, I think that was disingenuous. I think that um, you know when they were asked, the superintendent was asked, you know, what what exactly is this for? Because we were concerned about the counseling. I had already made my public comments about the counseling issues, 
And uh, so the superintendent said, well, we really just want them here to, for food and clothing. Uh-huh. And and so then there was someone, I'm not sure who, someone said, well, we provide that here in the Hill Country. <laughs> uh, what could CIS do that's any different than what we're doing in the Hill Country? And they basically admitted, it, uh, there was a CIS representative there, she admitted that she would try to work with the local resources to provide food and clothing to those children. Mm. So why are we spending nearly $100,000 giving them that money when we have those resources here? And number two, I know Kara is thinking of this, the rest of the parents are thinking of this, is we have an amazing Fredericksburg community. We have so many churches here, so many families who care for one another. If it's just a matter of us coming together to create a, you know, to support the Needs Council or other churches or organizations that are already doing this work, then we can augment that. We don't need a third-party vendor coming into the school to provide that. Although, Matt, I think it was a little disingenuous. I don't believe that they're bringing them in just for food and clothing. I agree. I really think that they want them to come in for the counseling parts, all the other programs, uh, line item number under B, uh, under staffing, they talk about the support plan with a three-tiered approach, uh, that they want a school-wide prevention services, that they would provide group counseling services, that they would provide individual uh, assessments, in, in, intensive assessments, it actually says, on behavior, attendance, um, uh, you know, trying to find out if any children are being abused, which is important. So what's difficult about this organization is that they do provide some things that are very positive that parents would want, Mm -hmm. communities would support, but on the other end of it, their foundation is in critical race theory, in Mm -hmm. equity, in inclusion. I'm reading through some of their programs this morning. Uh, They work with another foundation that provides them, uh, you know, programs on how to organize students to be against, um, you know, uh, privilege. Mm. And so they have all of that in there. Uh, so basically, they'll be creating little activists uh, and changing the behaviors, the values uh, of our children away from traditional family values and really the traditional values of Fredericksburg. Mm. Well, we are, listen, we are right up against a hard break and uh, are out of time. I just want to make one comment uh, that during the uh, uh, parents' uh, input there, Someone said, why don't we keep that $100,000 and, you know, buy some of the stuff we need, maybe give pay raises, maybe pay our counselors a little bit more. Uh, That was a point I thought was well made because $100,000 is a lot of money. Um, Monica, we are completely out of time and uh, we're going to stay on top of this and bring you back in um, to uh, talk more about this. But I just want to say thank you for helping our local parents. I think we were, were working really hard to kind of get parents engaged, and uh, then um, Monica moves to town, and everything kind of went on from there. Monica, five seconds left. Thank you very much, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you, dear.